Good morning. Good morning, brother. So good to see you this morning and to be back uh, in front of you. It was a great uh, service that we had last week and, and glad that everyone was here. And uh, we had a great number. We had the official count was uh, 169. Now, there were a few other people counting, but we don't, we don't believe their count. We believe the official count. We have an official counter here. And so that's, that's uh, the real number, 169, and we're grateful for that number. It was a good service and a lot of heartwarming, encouraging, and it's just good to see so many people who love this congregation and who love this work uh, to come back here and to eat and to just love on each other and to encourage one another. So I'm very grateful uh, for last week and for the service. I'm also very grateful that my family is here, my father and mother, my sister and my niece, and of course River Bell, who turned, uh, who's going to be turning six on Tuesday, but we had a big birthday party yesterday, and it was a kind of a spooky uh, Halloween birthday, and, and so we had a big time, and she was surrounded by a lot of family members and, and had a lot of love and a lot of presents, so we're grateful to get to be in their company today. Uh, and I want to begin with a word of prayer. I want to pray, number one, a prayer of thanksgiving for last week. And I want to pray for Brother Thurl, who's dealing with uh, the loss of his sister. And I also want to pray, uh, you know, this is begin the beginning of the cold season. And as we know, there are many people in our city who struggle with shelter. And as it begins to get cold, it begins to get dangerous. And so I want to pray uh, for those things this morning with you. Will you join me? Lord, we're so grateful for this first day of the week uh, to come together as believers and Christians and, and worship you. And Lord, we're just grateful for last week, for the immense response that we got for all of uh, the people who came and, and just supported this work last week, we thank you for their love for you and for this church. And Lord, at this time, we're mindful of Brother Thurl, who's traveling, and we pray for his family as he has lost someone very dear, his sister. We pray for him and we pray for their family that you will comfort them and be with them during this time. And Lord, we're also mindful of our neighbors who struggle with shelter, and we pray for safety, we pray for resources, and we continue to pray for this ministry here uh, that helps and aids in every way that we can. Bless us today in the study of your word, and be with us. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Our lesson text this morning is from Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1, and I love the verse. It's very poetic. But it has such a deep meaning to it. And I hope that today as we study it and unpack it, that you will get the meaning of it. And I hope that it will bring you a blessing today. And it's Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 in particular that says this, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. First thing that we do, we're like, what does that even mean? And we'll get to the meaning of it. But it's a beautiful sentiment. And first thing that I want us to kind of think about and about how we live in the modern age 
is how we've been kind of conditioned here of late. And the first thing that we've been kind of conditioned to be like is that, number one, we like things instantaneous, don't we? We do. We want things yesterday, don't we? We're now more connected. Everything moves so fast. Information moves so fast. You could even be watching a football game right now in church if you wanted to, couldn't you? I don't know anybody who's doing that, but you could. Because everything's so fast. We like our fast food. We like our microwaves. We like things. We can overnight things, can't we? If you order something online, well, I want it, I want it tomorrow. Overnight it to me if you got the money. They did an experiment with YouTube watchers. And by the way, we do have our sermons on YouTube if you ever want to listen to them. That's a little plug for the YouTube sermons. But they did an experiment of how patient people are today. And it was amazing that after two seconds... After just two seconds, people began to leave as that video was loading. Two seconds. That people couldn't even wait two seconds for a video to load. And 6% of the people would leave every second. Why? Because we expect things so quickly, don't we? We expect things so fast. We want it yesterday. It's amazing, isn't it? But there are some things in life that you just can't get that quickly, aren't there? And, and in fact, there's some things that have great value you can't just get very quickly. Talk about getting to know someone. Is that a two-second thing, getting to know somebody? No, it takes time, doesn't it, to get to know someone. Even reading a book takes time, doesn't it? The Bible says concerning patience, James 1.4, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That a patience and perseverance and being able to wait, being able to control ourselves is a spiritual strength. One person once said, one minute of patience equals ten years of peace. And isn't that true? That if I can control myself for one minute, if I can control myself and not say something, for one minute, it can't equate to ten years of peace in a marriage, in a home, in a country. But most of us don't have the patience, or a lot of us don't. Another thing that we like in the modern age, not only do we like things instantaneous, but secondly, we like to have a return on investment got my accountants in the room, return on investment. We like to see things work out. We want to see the results of what we do. I want to see the consequences. I want to see it today. A lot of churches have all kinds of ways of quantitating their ministries. Businesses, of course, have spreadsheets, and they want to see what at the end of the bottom line. They want to see profit. They want to see results. And if we're spending money on something, it better bring back what? Results. That's how we're geared today. But sometimes, especially in spiritual things, we don't always get to see the results. I like it the way that Robert Louis Stevenson said. He says, don't judge each day by the harvest, 
but by the seeds that you plant. A lot of times we're so results-oriented that we lose sight of what we're doing today. I need to be concentrating on planting the seeds today. That's how I need to judge today. Not about just what the results are. So we get to the book of Ecclesiastes, and the book of Ecclesiastes is a great book. It's the most philosophical book, probably, of the Bible. And if you were to read it, you would think... Uh, that you're reading some philosopher, and it, he was a wise man, Solomon, and what he's doing in the book is he's trying to find meaning in life. That's what he's ultimately trying to do. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, he wants meaning. He wants purpose. And even for Solomon, who's an inspired writer, it's elusive. And he tries to find it in all kinds of things, doesn't he? He tries to find it in his wealth, and boy, was he rich. They estimate if you were to put Solomon's money in today's currency, he would be worth $1 trillion. How many of you bought that $1 billion lottery ticket? Oh, nobody's confessing. But $1 trillion. It's a lot of money, isn't it? But he could find no meaning in that. He could find no real satisfaction in that. He had pleasure. He had the praises of men. He had fame. He had fortune. He had wisdom. But he didn't have meaning in any of those things. And of course, at the end of the book, he says, let us hear the whole conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. But it's interesting to what he says here in Ecclesiastes 11.1 where he says, cast your bread upon the waters for in many days you will see it repay. Cast your bread. And what's he talking about? He's talking about giving. He's talking about giving of yourself. He's talking about sustenance too. He's talking about casting the bread, sustenance on the water, and letting it go wherever it may go. Letting it go into the waters where it's unqualified, where it's undefined. You're just throwing it out to the waters in faith and letting God do the work. Does that have meaning for us in our lives? I think it does. Because a lot of what we do in life is downstream, isn't it? The decisions that you make today have consequences downstream and sometimes you don't always get to see what's downstream but that doesn't change the fact that you've got to do something good today it's not all about seeing results all the time it's about doing good no matter what no matter what do good cast your bread upon the waters. There's a story about, a Jewish story about a rabbi by the name of Bar Kapura, a real guy. And he was a rabbi in, in Caesarea, and one day he's walking along the beaches of Caesarea. And out in the distance into the waters, he sees a shipwreck. He sees a ship going down, and as he looks out into the water, the rabbi sees a man swimming from the shipwreck, and he comes, he finally makes it to the beach, and he collapses onto the beach. And Rabbi Bar Kapura picks the man up. 
He takes the man home. He clothes him. He feeds him. He takes care of him. And then the man leaves. And for years and years, he doesn't see the man. Well, the Jewish people got into a predicament with the governor of the region. And they decided to send the well-spoken Bar Kapura to the governor. And Bar Kapura spent the night in prayer. He prayed to God, please help me as I go talk to the governor. And as he entered into the governor's chambers, the governor recognizes him. In fact, it's the same man who Bar Kapura had saved on the beach. And he says to him after the end of their conversation, I will gladly do this favor for you. I'll help your people. My friend, because when I was in such a desperate position, you helped me to the maximum of your ability, listen to this, without asking or expecting any reward. Because of your unselfishness and kindness to me, I shall now help your suffering brethren at your request. The governor was going to help him. Why? Because when he helped him, there was no end in sight. There was no result. He did it because he cared, because he was kind, because he was unselfish. So many people today have an agenda, have ulterior motives for us. They'll do something for you, but they expect something in return, don't they? But God says, cast your bread upon the waters. Cast them. So how can we do that? How can we cast our bread upon the waters? Number one way that you can cast your bread upon the waters today is be hospitable. Show hospitality to people. And what does hospitality really mean? Hospitality is concern for strangers. That's what the word means. It has to do with people that you don't know. Because most people help people that they do know or people that they like. But if you're in the hospitality business... If you're being hospitable, you're helping those you don't know, the strangers. And what God tells us in Scripture is is that we should concern ourselves not with just people we love, but with people we don't even know. I'm grateful for this church. It is a haven of hospitality. We love strangers here, people we don't know. Because that's how you get to know people, isn't it? The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 1 and 2, let brotherly love continue. Listen to it. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. If we show hospitality to strangers, you never know who you're going to help. But no matter what, show compassion and care for those even if you don't know them, even if they're a stranger. 1 Peter 4, 9, be hospitable to one another. Listen to this, without grumbling. Without grumbling. I'm glad my wife's not here today because she knows that sometimes I grumble. But when we show hospitality, when we show concern for people, Peter says, don't be grumbling about it. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. When I consider the gifts that God has given me, why shouldn't I be more generous? 
Why shouldn't I be more hospitable? I should be, shouldn't I? As God has given to me, let me give to someone else. Be hospitable. It speaks of the elder or the bishop to be given to hospitality. And of course, when Jesus talks about the least of these, He says, when I was a stranger, a stranger, you let me in. It's interesting, the whole word hospitality, isn't it? Because it's very similar to the word hospital. Because ultimately, a hospital is a place that cares for strangers who are sick and suffering, right? How many people do you know at the hospital? I don't know too many of them. But when I go to the hospital, they treat me and they care for me. They show concern and care for a stranger. What's interesting is the development of the hospital. Did you know that the hospital developed in the church? In fact, one historian said it like this, hospital, the hospital was in origin and conception a distinctive Christian institution. You see, after the Council of Nicaea in 325, the leadership encouraged that there be a hospital in every town that had a church. And in Basel of Caesarea in 369 A.D. is credited with the first modern hospital. They had a physician, nurses, orderlies, doctors, both male and female, with systematic treatment of diseases and procedures. And this was in contrast to what? Pagan superstition. Because back then, there was another way to get healed, but it was involved pagan practices, superstitious things. And one historian wrote this, it was championed by rational medicine along with prayer counter to superstition. We owe it to the church and to Christian history for hospitals. In fact, it says in 1500s, there were 37,000 Benedictine monasteries alone that cared for the sick. Isn't that amazing? And why? Because the value in Scripture is what? That we take care of those who are suffering, even when they're strangers. Be hospitable. Number two, how can we cast our bread upon the water? By being benevolent. By helping those who are disenfranchised. Listen to the words of Jesus in Luke 14, 13 and 14. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Why? Because they cannot repay you. When Jesus says you give a feast, who does He say to invite? The people who can pay for it? No, He says the ones who can't. The blind, and you know what? Those are the ones who appreciate it. He says they won't repay you. They can't repay you, but you will be repaid, it says, at the resurrection of the just. Although we all live in such abundance in this country, and technology, and we have all these things, and poverty is declining, but do you know nearly half of the world's population still lives on $5.50 a day? Isn't that amazing? 
When there's so many people who have so much, there are people right now who are living on $5.50. In fact, half of the world's population. We should be benevolent. We should be giving. That's how we cast our bread upon the water. And that's why James says in James that pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows to help those who are hurting. Another way that we can cast our bread upon the water is by teaching the gospel. The Bible says, Go unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not. Why? Because this word is eternal. At the end of the day, my, my stories and my thoughts and my opinions will be gone very soon. They will be. But this will still be here. The Word will be here. It says it is fixed in the heavens above. It is eternal. It is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Able to pierce asunder the joints and marrow of the heart and discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Gospel, and what does it promise? It says that if we give people the Word, if we sow the Word, it will not return void. That no matter what, it will have an impact and effect for good on the here. Another thing that we can do to cast our bread upon the waters is something very easily, but sometimes it's so hard. How about kindness? Socrates, a great wise man, he said, Be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Isn't life tough enough? Isn't it enough already to have to deal with the things that life throws at you and then to have someone come along and then be unkind to you? And how unnecessary is it? Is life is tough enough. I get enough bills in the mail. I don't need people to have attitude with me. Just be nice to people. Paul said in Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Lastly, how we can cast our bread upon the waters is love. Is love. And you know what? The enemy wants to rob this world of love. He wants to rob the love that you should have for yourself. He tries to take that. He tries to steal that. You should care about yourself. But you know what? He don't want you to. He doesn't want you to eat right. He doesn't want you to exercise. He doesn't want you to treat yourself right. He wants you to destroy yourself. He doesn't want you to love your neighbor. He doesn't want you to love your spouse. He doesn't want you to love your kids. He wants, you to, he wants to destroy love. Remember that game and that question that we used to ask ourselves, if your house was burning, if your house was burning, what possession would you, would you get? And then we, we take away, a lot of times, we'd exempt family, we'd exempt children and pets. As you know, I'd be after my little dog, Velvet. If the house was on fire and my family was out, but what would you, what would you save out of your house? What would you save out of this church building? If you could only grab one possession, only one thing, what would it be? 
It's an interesting question, isn't it? There's a quote from the great playwright Tennessee Williams who said this, and he's talking about the violence and the hate that's in this world and, and what's going on in the world. And he says this, we live in a perpetually burning building. Doesn't it seem like that? Doesn't it seem like everything is being destroyed all the time? Everything that you care about is being destroyed all the time? It's burning around you. And what we must save from it all the time is the same thing, Tennessee Williams said it, is love. Do we see that? No, we see people in desperation and fear tearing each other up, hating each other, fighting each other, demonizing each other, vilifying each other. And he says the one thing we must save is always the same. It is love. And how true is that? Casting your bread on the waters isn't always easy. But God holds a promise in it. And the greatest sign of love that has ever been demonstrated into this world, it's enigmatic. People don't always understand it, but let me tell you, there is a mark on this world that has never been lifted since it's, since it's happened. And it's when God sent His only begotten Son to die on a cross. And He says, I love you. And even though the world is burning, even though people are hating each other, I love you. I love you for who you are and I want you to be with me. And ultimately, we must understand that we must cast that love, that bread upon the waters and release it. No matter what the outcome, no matter what the gain, we must do what is right and true with God. I'll leave you with one last little poem. And it's that poem that was in Calcutta where Mother Teresa cared for lepers. And she says this, people are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you're kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. What's God telling us? <clears throat> Do good anyway. Because it's between you and Him. And in verse 5 of Ecclesiastes 11, it says that, And you do not know what is the way of the wind or the, how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child. So you do not know the works of God who makes all things. I don't know how He's going to work it all out. 
I don't know how, but I do know He will. Cast your bread on the waters, and in many days you will see it return. If you're not a Christian this morning, the Bible says that, it's, that we begin in faith. That we begin in an awareness of who God is. For without faith it is impossible to please Him. And that as we begin to understand who God is through faith, we begin to understand ourselves. Because we see ourselves in relation to our Creator. And we see that within our lives, we try to take the steering wheel. We try to take control. We try to let the self dictate whatever we want it to do. But God says, repent of those sins that destroy us. Repent of those things that set the world on fire. Turn from sin. Confess Jesus to be the Son of the living God and be baptized or immersed into His body, the church. And you begin casting your bread into the waters. Or maybe this morning you've lived and you feel discouraged, you need encouragement, or you need a prayer of healing. We're going to sing this next song to encourage you. So if you have any need, won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.